podcast, an auditory exploration of the art of the album. I'm your host, Jonathan Humphrey. Today we will be talking about the album People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm by A Tribe Called Quest. It was their debut album and it was released on April 10th, 1990 on Jive Records. A Tribe Called Quest was a part of the Native Tongues Collective, which included the Jungle Brothers and De La Soul. At the time of recording, the members of Tribe Called Quest were Q-Tip, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, Fife Dog, and Jerobi White. Most of the vocals on this album are done by Q-Tip, and Fife contributes a few verses, but he didn't really become the member of the group that we think of him today until the second album. This album has come to be known as a classic of underground hip-hop, pulling a lot of samples from jazz and other things to do something different lyrically that most rappers of the time did not do. My guest today is Brian Kelly, my friend and fellow podcaster. And we're going to go ahead and go to the conversation now. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Can I kick it? I'm sitting here with Brian Kelly. Brian, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. You know, excited to record this. Yeah, me too. But before we get into talking about the album, you know, what we like to do up front is if you got a plug, which I know you do, or a recommendation, or even just a cause you want to be make people aware of, this is the time to do it now. Yeah, Black Lives Matter. Well, yeah, obviously. That's part of the reason we're doing the album we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> is, that a, is that a good enough cause? Yeah, that's a great cause. Yeah. All right, well, I have a podcast with my co-host, Matt. A former guest on this show. Oh, yeah, also a former guest on the show. And we're also old-time friends with Jonathan. Our podcast involves Iron Maiden and the band Fish. That's, uh, I understand, a interesting dichotomy there. But we basically just go album for album. It's about making your friend, who probably would otherwise not listen to this band enough, uh, listen to them. And that's the real spirit of the show. And uh, we go album to album, and we enjoy ourselves. And uh, I don't know, we have four or five episodes out now. And it's called Beast in the Maze. You can find us at beastinthemaze.com. We have a Twitter and a Facebook. Yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, and you guys are on most major uh, podcast platforms as well. Yeah, yeah, we are. I wonder how many people are like, what band would I make my friend listen to that they wouldn't want to? Like, I can only imagine what I would what would happen if I made Matt listen to the entire Joan of Arc discography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would probably be pretty harsh for him. I wonder what he would want to make you listen to. Yeah, I don't know if he has something that would really push my limits. Well, let's go ahead and, and get into this album a little bit. It's, it's A Tribe Called Quest's first album, People's Instinctive Travels and Paths of Rhythm. I guess the first question is, what do you think makes this like a cohesive statement? Because it definitely is. But what makes this an album and not just a collection of songs to you? So if I had to say why I want to listen to it, right? I didn't really even get into this album until maybe like 2015. I just went through this, like I had this moment where I was like, and I never really listened to a lot of Tribe Called Quest. Like I, I'd heard them peripherally. But I was just riding in the car 
And I was like, I, for some reason, a lot of people have told me that Tribe Called Quest is a great hip hop group. And I was like, I'm just going to listen to this album. And I put it on while I was driving, like some kind of long trip, like seven hours, probably from like West Virginia to home or something like that. I was like, I could listen to this over and over again forever. Like I just, I decided to go with their first album as well. I was like, I'll just go chronologically with these guys, which if you like, say you haven't listened to David Bowie, like that's not a good idea. But yeah, I just decided to go with the first album and man, it just blew my mind. And and I, I, I can't even say that like I'm even nearly an expert or like have like ripped apart these lyrics too much, but I will say every time I listen to it, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Well, this this album is an experience. And one of the things that like makes it an album for me is that when I'm listening to it in my head, I almost see this as a collection of short play vignettes where they're wrapping the stories like for example they're short scenes you know some of them are stories and some of them are more psas but every time you hear that beat and and that jirobi talking it's almost like the curtain is closed and jirobi's coming up to set the stage for the next piece while they're clearing i don't know why but when i hear it, it when I, that's what i see in my head does that make sense to you like yeah I, I i mean to me it's like a very um i always use the word visceral but like it's an album that i can feel i, I think it's an album about everyday life which is what i find fast like i mean it's not every it's everyday life for like these guys but it's about going around and doing stuff yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know how else to describe it and that's what i love about it like it's like taking pictures of what's going on around it's fun because there's this interplay between these like kind of silly fun stories and then these some of them honestly one of the props i give to this album is they make some PSAs fun. Like if you think about some of the songs, the songs are kind of like public service announcements, but they bop. Right. Okay. Like what, what, what's an example of that? Well, I will get more into it in the tracks, but ham and eggs, ham and eggs is like a totally upbeat, cool song, but it's like, Hey, don't eat these things. They're not healthy for you. So after like a short amount of research though, I looked up Calliope studios and that's who recorded this album mm -hmm. or that's where they chose to record this album. And these guys were in a group with De La Soul and the jungle brothers. And it's called native tongues. And they like, they chose this studio because this studio was like very hands off about like, it was like who, how you want to record is what you do. Like the whole thing was about musical freedom. And it's actually interesting. Um, Fife Dog, who's like a, who has passed away, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, he wasn't like present on this album as much because he, and he even said he was like, I was like, he was like, I was out like hanging out with my friend, like his friend. I guess he was like, I don't know. I don't want to say like gangbanging, but he was like, he was hustling or something is what he said. He was on the streets hustling. And he'd rather be doing that. And he didn't realize that like Q-Tip wanted him to be like a bigger part of it at the time. Yeah. That's, that's one thing when I, I am not super familiar with a tribe called quest i knew i knew before we started to do this i knew the album after this pretty well low end theory so going back and listening to this album i was surprised at how much fife wasn't on it and then i i read what you were talking about and it was like partying and whatever and this is a lot of way uh Ali and Q-Tip's album. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Ali's choices for like scratching and the actual instruments that he plays and like his choices for sampling in this album are incredible. I mean, it might be, it's like, it's out of control good. Yeah, they're all over the map too. I mean, obviously he pulls a lot from like jazz and funk and stuff, but I mean, we'll get into it. He pulls from other places too. And even from older hip hop. But I also feel like this album is kind of a, it's a very, not even this album, but A Tribe Called Quest is, 
is one of the early like indie hip hop groups in a lot of ways. Like they kind of set the stage for a lot of underground rap to follow them. I can believe that. I honestly am not, I listen to rap, but I don't listen to it as my primary form of music. And I listen to hip hop. And I would say that like, I have some really weird rap tastes, but this album for some reason just got me. Like I just, I generally find an album that I like and I'm like, okay, this is cool. So I will say that like, I don't have enough knowledge about underground rap after this to say anything about that. But yeah, it's different than anything you get. Like if you listen to the history of hip hop, this stuff is different. Yeah, for sure. And uh, really different than what was starting to go on in the 90s, too. I mean, I can't tell you when NWA first put out their first release, but this is around the same time that, you know, gangster rap or whatever started getting bigger. Sure, yeah. And to, to me, this this is like almost like a psychedelic album. <laughs> I can see that. I don't know. Like, I think that's probably why I like it. You know, I've, I've listened to a lot of like, I listen to a lot of psychedelic rock and like fish. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I mean we we hinted at it. This album has a lot of like socially conscious moments and it's very Q-tip heavy and I Q-tip's flow on this whole album is really enjoyable. It's almost at times it doesn't even matter what he's saying it it's how he's delivering it that's super right yeah i mean to me this album like i mean some of the lyrics are like like i was saying it's like almost like a psychedelic album like it's like some of the stuff is above what like what are they even talking about luck of lucienne which we'll get to like is that really like an experience anybody had no but it's just some stuff they're saying you know like right there's almost like a beat element to it like a beat poetry element they're just saying things based on their own visceral and like their own feelings their own reactions to everything. But you have to wonder if maybe, uh, you know, I don't have the history of this, but do you, do you think Q-Tip was into like slam poetry before he started rapping? It's totally possible. I don't know. I mean, it kind of feels like that at times, you know, with a more like hip hop feel. Yeah, that's right. I think we can move, start moving on to the tracks pretty soon, unless there was something else you wanted to say. If not, we can take a quick break and we'll move on to the tracks. Yeah, yeah, we can take a quick break. All right, we'll be right back. We're back and we're about to start our dive into A Tribe Called Quest's People's Instinctive Travels and Paths of Rhythm. And when you're listening to an album track by track, you gotta start with track one. And that track is Push It Along. I don't think that is vital for me to be your idol, but dig this recital. If you can't envision a brother who ain't dissing. All right, that's a pretty staple feature of the rap song is having that first song be kind of like an introduction to the rappers. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But what's really interesting about that is this is for two reasons for being a hip hop opener. When you include the uh, Jerobi part, it's like seven and a half minutes. That is a long opening for a hip hop album. Yeah, I certainly thought that. It's like really um, trippy and like there's a lot of uh, a lot of sounds and like combinations of things. Like what's up with the baby crying at the beginning? It's like, does that have something to do with like the birth of this album? Like this is their first album. So yeah, I don't know. I always thought maybe that would be like, that's this is like their birth. Yeah, that's I think that's I, I read something where someone was saying that's what it was. I can't remember if it was just someone speculating, but I can't imagine it be anything other than the birth of a tribe called quest right yeah but it's also 
and I don't say this in a bad way. I think it's good, but it's a really unsettling way to start an album with a baby crying. Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable for certain. But at the same time, it, it's uncomfortable, but like mellows into it. It's not like you hear this baby crying and then everything, like all the music and everything gets like out of control. It's like you hear this baby crying and, like, and then the music itself like calms you down from the baby crying. Right, yeah. It's kind of, it's putting you in two different headspaces really fast. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really cool. One thing that I'm surprised about this track, uh, especially on, when on CD, is normally in a rap album, that part where Jerobi is is like hyping everyone up, that would normally be its own track. That would normally be an interlude. It's interesting to me that they decided for it to be part of the opening. Absolutely. Yeah, this is one of the, the few tracks on the album, Fife is actually rapping. And I think it's really interesting. One thing I wanted to point out is that in Fife's rap, he says, like Tip says in Ham and Eggs, I eat chicken, chicken, chicken. So on the first song on this album, he's referencing a song much later in the album. <laughs> nice. I never picked up on that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. It means they must have recorded that other song first, right? Like, how else would they have done it? Yeah, I mean, in, in any order. Apparently, they um, he started recording like or writing these songs in like tenth grade. Really? Yeah, that, that's what I read on like Wikipedia. As far as that, I can't attest to much more than that. I mean, but Wikipedia generally, it's like you know, seventy eight percent reliable. So yeah, and I feel like some things it's more reliable than others. Like music, it feels like they're more reliable because the fans are so obsessive; they get in there and right. Do you know what a pause tape is? Uh, what's the What's the context? Remind me of the context real quick. So like it was, it's a cassette tape, but like he was writing all this stuff in 10th grade supposedly on a pause tape and i'm guessing like he was like he would say the lyrics and then pause it and then just do new ones next after that but i don't know what a pause tape is yeah i think it's exactly what you're describing because i've heard okay. other ra- rappers say similar things but not call it a pause tape that's what my guess was but i wasn't sure yeah i'm sure what it is is like you you get it you get like a couple dope lines and you're like i can't let those go unpause the record spit them out Sure, yeah. And then you have them there so you don't ever forget them. What, what do you think is the meaning of this song, if there is any? Well, there's some lines about it, like, um, is society a fake reality? They're talking about money a little bit, and I'm not trying to delve too deep into it, because I think, to me, Tribe Called Quest sort of... So let me be honest, like, this this album and the next one are really the only ones I listen to, and I need to listen to a lot more. I just recently got into them a few years ago. And I'd say that, like, this album doesn't seem to have a big political slant. It has somewhat of one. There's There's a lot of talk about Afrocentrism, and there's a lot of talk about, like I was saying, like, the society fake reality thing, but it, it seems to be, like, telling people to live in the world that they see. Yeah, I see that. And and like I said up top, it's definitely like the classic example of a of a hip hop introduction song, like introducing the MCs and whatever. Like I love those opening lines. Like the the lines are Q-tip is my title. I don't think that it's vital for me to be your idol, but dig this recital. I love the way he's kind of coming in saying like you don't have to think I'm the best, but just give this a listen. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. They kind of like make you want to listen to it though, because like it's not like a beat, and they're not keeping a single thing going on. Like I mean, there is a beat but there's so much outside noise and like psychedelic psychedelia going on on each one of these songs later on we'll get to i can't wait till we get to after hours but right now i'll just say that the way that ali shaheed muhammad basically like played most of the instruments and did most of the scratching and like his samples i mean this ali like just crushes it on this album in my opinion like the whole thing like i could listen to this without words oh yeah and the horn section in this song is incredible yeah exactly i mean i've never heard a hip-hop album like it yeah definitely it's weird because 
I like to pick three standout tracks, three or four standout tracks for each album I discuss. And I think coming back and, and talking about it again, I think I have to put this as, as a standout track to me. I hesitate to do it because of that long Jerobi part, but the beat is so great and it's such an interesting way to start a hip-hop album, like we were saying. For sure. I never I never listened. Most of the time I listen to this album, too, I have the time to listen to it as well. So it's not like a, a thing where I'm this song is too long. I don't. I don't think it's too long. I think it's great. Yeah, and I don't think the. I don't think the Jerobi part is even bad. It just really feels like it's its own thing at times to me. Right, right. It could have ended, and then yeah. But I mean, you know, that's that's part of like the whole rap culture, right? Is keeping getting people in on your or your songs or albums or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you got to bring the hype too, which Jerobi is definitely the uh, flavor flav of a tribe called Quest. Yeah, for sure. I don't really know much about Jerobi. So who is Jerobi? Me neither. I don't know that much. He, I mean, he basically, his role is like, so that thing we were talking about earlier where Fife is, he was like, I thought at first Q-Tip wanted me to be like Jerobi. So Jerobi just, I guess, comes in and does backing vocals and does does those hype tracks as far as I can tell. So yeah, he's just kind of there to keep things moving when uh, Tip or Fife aren't rapping. So he's the flavor flavor of, yeah, okay, I, I can see that. I didn't know that. Like, this is one of the things I brought this album to you, but like, I don't know much about Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, well, we're all learning. Right. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that much. I, like I said, I knew low end theory that well, but but I think I've exhausted all I, I can really say about pushing it along. Unless you had something else you wanted to point out about it. No, I think that's about it for me, man. Let's play some track two, "Luck of Lucy." In. Brother, 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 Lucy and you like no other. Listen very close, cause I don't like to boast. Instead, I tell the tale of the French who prevailed through the Mr. Crazy Rabbits who were always on his tail. Rent ain't on sale, your roomie starts to wail. Get caught with stolen goods, then you will go to jail. If you go to jail, then who will pay the bail? To put you back to France on a ship with a sail. Escargo, Lucy and you eat snails. Hey, yo, Tim, what's wrong with snails? So, this is, this is a pretty funny song. I find it hilarious. It always makes me think of my friend Fabian. So Fabian's a French guy and he's he's amazing. He's like one of the best people I know on earth, but he's hilarious. And it's like his accent on American women is just unstoppable. And he's like, everybody love my accent. And I'm like, yeah, they do. <laughs> well, it's it's funny that in this song, apparently, from what I was reading, Lucien was like a French rapper that came to America and started hanging out with them. And in this song, apparently his accent isn't working that well with the ladies. Oh, really? Yeah, well, that's what he, he said. Like, there's a part in the second or third verse. Well, they seem to be, like, talking shit about him. That's what's funny about this song is that this whole time it's, like, Q-Tip giving him a hard time and then being like, ah, but you're cool. We gotcha. Right, yeah. Is he a black French rapper? I don't know. I didn't see that. I, I want to say that he is, and I'm... I would say that if he was a black French rapper, there could be some real, like misunderstandings about coming to america and hanging out with rappers yeah versus like being in france and like being like oh, i'm a rapper like, i don't i don't know how race relations work in like france versus here but i imagine they're different yeah what i was gonna say is that there's that line that i really love where he's like yeah i'll help you with your demo but you got to go to the store for me right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's so funny so he's like, trying to make it yeah he's like he's like but yeah can you get me some chips and uh <laughs> a pack of smokes and <laughs> but yeah and I, I think that's actually him doing the like talking in the background but what really really strikes me about this is it seems like q-tip has a pretty good knowledge of french culture based on he i mean he speaks a little bit of french in this song he talks about 
escargot. He makes a couple other references that went over to my head until I was like reading and looking at the lyrics. So I couldn't tell you right off the top of my head. But yeah, I don't know. Like to me, like I I haven't even dug that deep. But how how much of this do you think is true, and how much of of this do you think is Q Tip just messing with this guy? Well, I don't know. It's it's possible that like any group that is making an album like the one they're making right now could just be kind of messing around. Right. And I respect that though. Like that's kind of what I think that's what I like about this album is it like it sits in a space where like these people had like artistic freedom to do this. Yeah, exactly. And it's different than I don't I like a lot of other like rap, but this this album stands apart from almost all. Of them. Yeah. I uh, I loved the wordplay when he's like saying if you go to jail who's going to raise your bail? And then he says, they'll send you back to France. And then he makes the joke about escargot. Well, I like when he's like, luck, 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 will drive your butt batty. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just think that's such like a, the way he, the way Q-Tip like stresses words makes them sometimes not even matter. It's like, a, it's like an instrument in the band or in the beat. I don't, I don't know. I mean. This song is, it's not like the worst song on the album and it's not the best, but for some reason it's the most memorable in a lot of ways. Like that, just the Lucian, 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 you should know. Just gets like stuck in your head. No, and I like the repetition of it. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, this song has definitely been one of my favorites. I think it's because I think it's because I think of Fabian when I listen to it, but honestly, like, yeah, this, this song is one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, it, I mean, it's really fun. And like we were saying, it's funny. It's got, it's got some of that classic storytelling comes across all over this album. Absolutely. But yeah, and like I was saying, there's that, that great line, Q-Tip plays off of escargo as in eating snails and also saying that if Lucian gets shipped back, he'll be cargo. <laughs> like what, what a great little <laughs> wordplay. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's kind of par for the course. Q-Tip has a lot of great wordplay. That's kind of like hidden in these, these rhythms. Like you were saying, you, you almost don't need the words, but then when you catch them. Yeah. He's, it's like, you know, it's like this word to this word. Exactly. The, the horn sample. I don't know. I, I don't think we need to break down every sample on this album. There's some in specific I'll point out, but I think it's impossible to, yeah, they're pulling from all over the place. That's the thing I would hope like whoever's listening to this will listen to the album, but it's out of control. Like the sampling on this thing. And I don't know where all the samples come from or anything. I, I should know that, I guess, but I'm a busy man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't take anything away from the album, not knowing the samples. Right. Like the horns are great. Like it, it gives you that, like everything about this album is like, has been like, something to relax to and i think i do agree with that but i think it's also something i consider this album to be a psychedelic hip-hop album then i'm not even like before i had said that like yeah this might verge on psychedelia but no i don't it's not even close if you ate a shitload of mushrooms and you listened to this song or this whole album you would be happy the entire time it was going on yeah, and if you're, you know, everyone has different experiences, but if you're, like, focusing in on the lyrics, you will see a lot of the stories play out in your head. Right, yeah, and, like, it's, there's so much going on, and so, but so little at the same time, and, like, so much, I don't know, we should move on. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and play a little clip of track three, After Hours. And the shine is bright We all say peace and go our separate ways Luth is fading as we gain our days Explanation for the song is simple 
So there are two things kind of going on with this song, I feel like, lyrically. The first one is is very simply phrased as, the nighttime is the right time. Because yeah. after hours, it's cool. <laughs> right. And it's great that they used Richard Pryor for that, too. I like his fish and chips reference at the beginning. Like, he's getting some fish and a Guinness stout. He's, like, straight up just ordering, like, you're like, man, you're in an Irish pub somewhere. <laughs> right. Is that what happened to him? Like, he was like, I'll have a Guinness and also these fish. I don't know. Like, I, I never know what to, that's the thing. This album's so hard to talk about. And that's why I love it. Because it's like, it's what you're feeling when you hear it is what's more important than anything. Well, I was really feeling the frogs. Oh, totally. So I work at a place with a pond behind it. We have an outdoor deck right now. And the frogs are going crazy. Like, <laughs> I mean, I hear thousands of them. And I think about this song every time. And the frogs are so good. Yeah, this, I think, not that he didn't shine in the last two tracks, but I feel like this is where Ali really starts to shine on this album. Like, you really get to see his scratching technique like crazy. Oh, for sure. And I love that. I know, I like the line about, like, uh, we're gaining our days. Like, he was like, it, was, it wasn't like you're getting older. It's like you're gaining your days, and then you're following your rhythmic path. Yeah, well, and that's one thing that keeps up through this album, and I'm sure that, of course, I love how he calls... He's like, we're going to quest, and this is my tribe. Like, he does this over and over again. He's like, we start our quest. That's exactly how I feel about my friends, though. I mean, it's like, I'm with my friends, and we're all just on this ride. We're all doing it together, you know? Like, it's like, how? Like, good luck, everybody. It's funny, because I feel like there's this, not even a whole verse, it's like a third of a verse where he starts to talk about, like, political and social problems like he's like i need this record to go gold so i can pay my taxes yeah well there's the the man who's made is the man who doesn't need it or something what was it something like that no the line is the man who's made is the man who maxes yeah but that's true the man who's made is the man who maxes and there's a line before that though that's yeah i better go gold to pay the taxes gotta be swift society the man who made is the man who maxes the grounds for living are being discussed as we go it gets close to dusk. Gather thoughts and savor breath because there's only a few hours left. Yeah. And what I get from that line, I mean, there's a couple things going on, but what I get from that line is those are problems of the day. It's the nighttime. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, he's like, hey, we don't. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, Dude, this is all this crap that's going on, but we've only got a few hours left of the night. Let's enjoy the, the night is still young or whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that take. I'm kind of at a at a loss here. I don't know if there's something else you wanted to add. Oh no, I didn't have much. Um, you you brought up the frogs. And that's like my favorite part of that song. Yeah, the frogs are are so great. Just dropping the frogs in. Yeah, it's it's, it's awesome. And the, the line he sets up before. You know, maybe I'm not giving enough justice, but I brought this album to you because I was like, you know, this is this is at least in my top five favorite hip hop albums. Yeah, I think no, I mean I think we're hitting lots of stuff. I and I think what part of what we said is a lot of what Q tip does is creates a feeling with his rhythm more than trying to dissect every line. Like obviously he has some great lines here or there, but there's a feeling to to his vocals that's more important a lot of the time. But uh let's go ahead and, and listen to a little bit of track four, Footprints. Start trudging. Me and my brothers, we be looking and be bugging. Vehicles of life, they be rolling and be nudging. Searching for the virgins of life, that be shoving at the door that's cracked. The valleys of time are always on my feet. At least the beat will combine the calluses and corns with a funky bass line. You won't need underdog for a nickel shoe shine on the shoes that's tacked. But can I get a level? So, 
I think it's interesting. And, you know, we said that this isn't very political or as, as political, but it's very social. I think one of the key moments of this album that proves that it is both political and social is the fact that they sample Jesse Jackson here throughout this song. Yeah, that's accurate. So I guess, I guess I went a little, I guess I wasn't a, a hard enough on like the political and social element of it. Like this album, what, what I love about this album has always been the sound of it. Right. And I don't know if like I have a problem in that way. Like, I, I don't know. Some, sometimes people like, I feel sometimes like I don't understand some music because just like I, this sounds good to me. And like, I think what I look for first is music. But I will say that, like, I mean, the UNLV Rebel thing is pretty dope. And there's a militancy to, like, the marching at the end, right? Right. Even those those horns are almost, they're not, but they're almost reminiscent of uh, when the Saints go marching. Yeah. And then there's the hide behind the shield line, which is, like, so relevant right now because of the whole cop thing. And, like, I mean, I'm not going to get into my politics, but I will say that, like, there's a lot going on right now that relates to that lyric, you know? ultimately like i love how the song starts as like a disco song yeah <laughs> like it just feeds you in so well and then that, that just goes away and it just becomes a whole song well you know what else is great is uh q-tip jacked the drums for this and they're from a public enemy song oh really they're from public enemy number one which is funny because later there's a song that references well they have a song called pubic enemy right right and it's play off that but q-tip was like I listen to those drums all the time. I love them. I knew I needed to use them for something. I originally had this song as something different, but I stole those drums. I love those drums. Yeah, he was like, he was like I just need to make this. I already had this idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then apparently Fife said this is like one of his favorite tribe songs ever. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy this song for sure. I like, the, I like the part about the vehicles of life, like nudging and rubbing. You think about like like traffic. And it's like, it's almost like he was making an allusion to like traffic and like everybody having to live on the world together. Well, there's that. And then it's also another kind of theme in this album because it starts with the first song, Push It Along. There's a, we got to keep moving forward. Absolutely. Pushing it along, it starts it. And then here we're just like, we got to keep putting the footprints down. We got to keep moving forward. There's got to be progress. For sure, man. And it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be political or social progress. It can be very much personal progress even within this song, but it's about... Yeah, you just push it along. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, I, this this is kind of like completely ridiculous and pointless, but a couple months back, I rewatched the movie Walk Hard. Oh, what a great film. <laughs> right, and I was like, I could kind of see them doing a remix of this song like they did at the end of that movie where they put his walking hard over a rap song because <laughs> in a way, it's kind of the same theme, although this is the less yeah. jokey version of it. <laughs> That's a, that's a funny way to look at it. I've never thought of it that way, but yeah, awesome. Yeah, Q-Tip's like, walk hard, put your footprints down. Right, yeah, absolutely. Walk hard. <laughs> I mean, even in the Jesse Jackson sample, he, I think he says walk tall, but you know. Do you think that's where uh, uh, Dead Prez got walk like a warrior? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, man. Walk like a warrior. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely feel like he talks more about questing with his tribe because that's just how we do. Absolutely. And it's all about moving things forward. I agree. Again, it's what I like about this album is they do use things that are slightly unsettling. Like those horns I was talking about that kind of remind me of when the Saints go marching. There's something a little unsettling about those horns, but in a way that like pulls you in. Yeah. To me, it's just like, well, I like a lot of discordant stuff and there's like 
there's some very jazzy things going on in all of this. You know, it's like the problem is I'm not like totally qualified to like judge music, I guess, but like because I'm not a music, I mean, I'm a musician to an extent, but not a great musician or even understand. But like, all I say is that like I like the jazzy stuff, like the stuff that's like a little bit out there. You know, I don't know. I would even say that that horn part is kind of like ragtime for sure. Which is how often do you hear ragtime in hip hop? And that's what I mean about this album. I mean, that's what really gets me there with it. Like it's any time, like you're like, what is happening next? And it's, it's always great. And it's always like a full like body experience. We've been listening to it with headphones. Well, it's, it's great because they throw these things at you, but then it always comes back to finding the rhythm. Like no matter how weird or off the wall it gets at times, you fall back into these rhythms that are like obviously well-crafted and, all right, I think we're ready to hear a little bit of I Left My Wallet in El Segundo. 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 I gotta get it. I got, got to get it. I left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. I gotta get it. I got, got to get it. My mother went away for a month-long trip. Hunting some friends on an ocean liner ship. She made a big mistake by leaving me home i had to roam so i picked up the phone left my wallet in el segundo that's a great song yeah it's another example of their like great story songs and apparently this is one of their like earliest demos too which is interesting but what i found most interesting is someone asked ali about the song and he said oh man when i first saw the lyrics i was like this is just such a great fictionalization of me and q-tips relationship really? like he's like this is exactly how this would happen if this happened that's like what they would have done next at first for a second there i thought they were getting pulled over because of like the way the guy yeah, was talking right you know but i don't think that was it it was just like he just needed his wallet yeah it had all his condoms and stuff yeah man you gotta have your condoms with you i guess yeah because you definitely can't go to the store and get more condoms <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you only get the amount of condoms you have for life. Right, right. Yeah, man. I mean, that's a classic. Like, I feel like if you don't know that, then you need to figure it out. Yeah, you need to figure your whole life out. Not your whole life. Just you just need to listen to um, this one album that we're listening to right now. Uh, I think it's a great story, though. I mean, how many times have you panicked about leaving your wallet somewhere? I mean, obviously not three days away, but you know, it's more in my life. It's more than my phone. Your phone? Well, that makes sense. But at their time, the phone wouldn't have been a relative thing. You know what I mean? Like, but now, like, I've done things with my phone and my keys that have been like, it's like locking your keys in your car. Exactly. It's a really relatable feeling, but he also gets to tell this like funny story. Funny. It's, it's probably not... also like a little bit of a nod to them getting like really stoned. Right. And just cruising. Yeah. And they're like, let's go get some lunch. And they'll be like, you know, just like leave my keys there. Yeah, exactly. You know, what's really weird to me. And I'm ashamed to to say this, but you know that like that guitar part that kind of gets looped in at the end. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a song that I hope nobody judges me for thinking of this song. It's not like I love this song, but it's "Fly" by Sugar Ray. I almost wonder if Sugar Ray sampled that for "Fly." Yeah, no, no, no exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's really reminiscent of that. It's like the exact same thing. They probably sampled that from Tribe. Yeah, they must have, right? So we're going to go ahead and move on to track number six, Pubic Enemy.
so she had to go on with the program greetings it seems that i've forgotten your name but it seems that she's done the same and now something has happened suddenly she's been distracted all right that was a little bit of pubic enemy and what i'd say up top about it is this is this album's first uh psa song yeah public service announcement yeah, they want to make sure people are having safe sex. Right. Yeah, I was like, this is uh, I didn't have like a ton of notes about this song, but it's definitely about like hooking up and then the consequences that are possible. And it like it seems like they go through a couple different scenarios, but it's about STDs. Well, and it seems specifically to me about crabs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I didn't know if it was or not, but I know there's like the scratching yeah. thing going on, and like I guess I think probably most STDs are itchy. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I've never had one, so I don't know. But uh, but it's all it's funny because this song came out right around the like the blow up of the AIDS crisis. Yeah, I guess that's right. In like the nineties and early, like the eight, the late eighties, early nineties. So it it ended up being better advice than they even meant it to be originally. Not that it was bad advice, but there's a lot of talk about like like in the previous song, he's talking about his Jimmy hats and his wallet and El Segundo. You know, so there's a lot of talk about safe sex in this in this uh, album. Well, it goes back to that socially conscious aspect of of their work. But my biggest question about this song is, what is a prop master? Yeah, I don't know either. And I think they bring it up later in the uh, album as well. Oh, maybe I missed that. But I know that like they have that the guest guy. I think his name's TJ Redalord. I may be mistaken, but he comes in for a minute listing all the people who are prop masters. <laughs> yeah, I think that happens later too in the album somewhere. I think like somebody's saying, "I'm the ultimate prop master." <laughs> like that. So I don't know if it's like somebody who gets laid a lot, maybe, or is it someone who just gets a lot of props? Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that that makes sense. I don't know if I really. I think maybe musically, this might be one of the weaker songs on the album to me. But Q-Tip's flow on this song is really good. Absolutely. I think I agree with you on that, though. I, uh, I, I, like, I took the least notes of any song about this song just because like, it didn't stand out as hard to me. Right. Yeah. I have a friend who like, says it's one of his favorite songs on this album, and there's a remix of it. Well, there's probably a couple remixes, but there's, I can't remember whose it was, but he told me somebody's remix was like his favorite song like one of his favorite hip-hop songs so well we listened to like the original released version for this recording but apparently when they put out like the 20th anniversary edition or whatever there were like tons of remixes by all kinds of people Mm -hmm. so maybe we should go back and listen to those sometime individually not for a podcast but just i'm sure it'd be worth checking those out yeah absolutely well yeah i mean i didn't take many notes on that too i'm pretty much exhausted with it so if you don't have anything else to say i think we can move on yeah let's move on all right, so we're going to play a little bit of track number seven, Bonita Applebaum. Bonita Applebaum, you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebaum, I said you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebaum, you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebaum, I said you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebaum, you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebaum, I said you gotta put me on. Bonita Applebaum, you gotta put me on. Bonita, Bonita, Bonita. So I think, you know, we said on the last track that the rapping was good and the music wasn't that great in the last one. I kind of feel the opposite of that with this song. Like, I love the beat and the production, but this is kind of Q-Tip's worst flow on the album. I, don't, I mean, I don't really think about it that way, but I do love the uh, the beat. I think that uh, the sitar in the beginning and, like, in the beat is so cool and it just, like, lends, like, the very, like, I don't know, like, smoky, like, jazzy kind of vibe to this song, you know what I mean? Yeah, the, it's incredible, and it 
the way the sitar sits against the rest of like that the floaty like keys yeah it's just such a great combination i did write some things down that were interesting i i was wondering if um put me on is even a term or it just rhymed yeah i don't know because i was just like i mean i i don't want to get too explicit but it's like put you on what exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and also you know this song came out 30 years ago now so it's one of those things like i i don't know like i was five so whatever the relevant slang was at the time i wasn't really there for it well and when i think of like a lot of hip-hop when they talk about putting somebody on it usually means like a guest appearance on a song yeah and that's not what he's talking about here so right. that that kind of confused me one thing i do really enjoy about about this song is the background chatter in the second verse yeah i wrote i wrote something down about that too uh it's just a lot of like like, like it's like encouraging you know like he's like he'll say something and it's it, there's like this level of like sexual hubris that he's going through and then like every time there's like a ooh ah like and i think that's cool yeah definitely but the best part is when he says he's got crazy prophylactics they react like it's like oh shit <laughs> and it's just like he bought a lot of condoms what's so crazy a about lot it? more condoms than any one man needs <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just like a really funny reaction because the rest of the time like you're saying they're like kind of going with it kind of like being supportive and then just like oh shit my boy's got mad condoms <laughs> <laughs> that's great i like that take uh, yeah the to me um you know this song's i think it's a pretty well-known rap song a lot of them on this album are there's a lot of like hits like hits off of this even though they were kind of underground right but yeah this it's a well-known song and i, I was like appreciated it just as a casual listener yeah it surprised me that it was the single but you know it's i said before that there's a lot of like staples of classic rap and even underground rap to this album and i think like You've got to have, I don't want to call it like a love song because it's not a love song, but you know what I'm trying to say, like trying to get the girl song or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely like that. That's just another staple of especially this era too. Right, and a lot of this album is about, like I like I said before, it's about like day-to-day life. And then like you say, there's like PSAs about how to like live your life and like the social aspects of like what you're doing. And I think that's just like, you know, trying to get the girl at like, the age they're at and in the society they're in it's just a regular part of everyday life and they're trying to express it in a way yeah so my my one last thing i wanted to say about this song and again at the risk of getting too explicit he likes to kiss her where some brothers won't (laughs) (laughs) conolingus yeah i'm guessing yeah (laughs) okay yeah, well, he I mean, gets asked to. I don't know who knows all of it. You know, <laughs> right? It's just, it's funny that he says that line. I mean, it yeah. makes sense, but it's just really funny. <laughs> also, I guess maybe because it's it's also paired with a line, "I'll tell you things that other brothers won't" or whatever. So, what's he telling her that they won't? I guess maybe I love you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't, I don't know exactly. It's just a weird pairing of lines. It is. <laughs> well, I think unless there's something we missed here. I think we're safe to move on to the track number eight. Yep. All right, let's play a little bit of Can I Kick It? Right now, Fife is a point sayer. At times, I'm a studio conveyor. 
Mr. Dinkins, would you please be my mayor? You'll be doing us a really big favor. Boy, this track really has a lot of flavor. When it comes to Rhythm's Quest, is your savior. Follow us for the funky behavior. I think this song just does such a great job of showcasing the three main members of Tribe. We were saying before, Fife isn't on a lot of this album. He's got a verse here. Ollie's scratches are insanely great. And Q-Tip is, is fun. I think this is more of the one of the more fun songs and less serious, but I don't know. I just, I'm just, I guess what I'm saying is this is the definitive standout track of this album for me in a lot of ways. I think it's probably a, like a definitive standout track of alternative hip hop. Yeah, it was certainly this era. I mean, it's probably one of the most famous hip hop songs at this point out there, right? Like, I mean, not ever, but you know, so it's just, I mean, I don't know how to rate that, but it's just one of those things that like a lot of people know this song. Yeah, and you know, it, the Lou Reed sample helps for sure. Yeah, I think it draws them in a little bit. I thought the scratching, you said something about that. I thought that really, really works with the headphones. Uh-huh. Like you really get the the back and forth of like the stereo sound really helps it out. Yeah, and I mean, neither one of us are uh, are good at scratching. So I, we can't really <laughs> speak that lingo, but it's really impressive in this song. And there are other moments on this album too, but especially here, like... I like some of the lyrics too, though. Um, I like the part where he says the box of positives is a plus love. It's almost like an abstract way of like throwing words together, but it makes them work. Well, but I also think a lot of the lyrics in this song, I mean, you know, so we're trying to figure out some of the meanings here. I think this song is just about kicking a fun rhyme, honestly. And like some of them are are pretty good. And then some of them are just kind of like silly and fun. Yeah. If you need to cut a rug, do the jitterbug or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's just a fun, silly line. Yeah. And it comes off really well though. Yeah. It's, we said this before, but I think especially a, a lot in this song is it's more about the delivery here than exactly what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And then there's that good interplay of, you know, Q-Tip's first verse and Fife in the second verse. They have the same rhythms pretty much. So you get to hear their distinct styles a little bit more when up against like a level playing field. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I was wondering what the, what, I wonder what that noise is at the end of that windup sound. It's like somebody dropped a bunch of metal on the ground or something. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It goes... Yeah. Somebody dropping change or like, I don't know what it is, but it's like such an interesting little like... Like some of the sounds that... I think why I like this album is some of the sounds that they make are so outside the realm of like what a lot of hip hop artists do. And they're grabbing a lot of sounds from like real life and they're playing some of them on instruments and all that, so... Yeah, I, I mean, it's really hard for me to... Sometimes I find it harder to speak about the songs that, like, I really love. And this is one that's it's kind of hard because it's just like, this is such a classic, like we were saying. I mean, this was my introduction to A Tribe Called Quest, was this song. I remember being in Chapel Hill, and you were there, actually. Oh, cool. <laughs> and we were all listening to music on a laptop, and I was like, oh, sweet, Lou Reed's about to come on. And then the drums came in, and I was like, no, wait, it's not Lou Reed. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I listened, and I was like, Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> so that had to have been when we were like 16 or something, right? Even a little a little older than baby, but not much. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. It's good. I'm glad we could bring up that memory. Yeah, and I don't know why. For the longest time, I kept thinking that this was on low-end theory. And it almost makes sense as like a second album song. But for them to have a song this strong on their first album is really impressive. Agreed. To be such a big single. But did you have any other notes for, for Can I Kick It? No, I think that's it for me. All right. Well, then... We're going to go ahead and play a snippet of track nine, Youthful Expressions. Politics. 
expressions, and I'm guessing 19 years is a youthful lesson Falling skies, babe, open eyes, babe Can't you see what lays inside, babe? Making mentions on this tension Rhythmic loving, my profession So it feels like this song is really relevant today Yeah, I think so They're getting a little more, like, revolutionary here Yeah, well, he mentions being a socialist Right And then I think he has that that line about racism Where he's like, no banana, I ain't no primate Mm -hmm. And it's it's all about youthful expression, obviously, uh, but the power of youth, staying positive as youth, pushing things forward as the youth, keeping hip hop and the rhythm alive through the youth. Yeah, I noticed that because I, you know, it wouldn't be such a big deal now, but in 1990, I think like hip hop is like a much more controversial form of music. Yeah, definitely. Like now it's just like mainstream, but I think at the time, you know, I mean, we're talking 10 years into it, but I mean, I can remember you know, people that didn't know shit about hip hop, like saying something to me that, you know, like about all it is, is this or that. And it's not like a worthless form of music and et cetera. And that was like a much more common, common, like idea, especially among like racist white people. Right. No, it definitely was. And I mean, nowadays racist white people make rap music. Exactly. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's crazy, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, got, I get the kind of idea that, like, it's it's sort of about expressing yourself, too, and not really worrying about, like, what other people think of you. Um, you know, they mentioned that Afrocentrism again. Interesting. Well, I think this this album, through the backbone, and even, even in its storytelling, is it's trying... I feel stupid being a white person saying this. It's Afro-positive. It's, like, trying to be positive about the culture and finding ways to improve the culture. Yeah, because they seem to have, like, sort of, like, an... I wouldn't say, like, anti, but, like, a... As, it, as this album goes on, there seems to be like a sort of that idea of like revolutionary, like keep your body healthy so your mind will stay healthy so you can continue like your struggle. Right. And I, that's kind of like a part of what I get out of this song too. Yeah. Well, musically, one thing I love in this song is the ending. Like I love how the main beat and all fades out when there's that like, it almost sounds like the Final Fantasy prelude music that do 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 How that part rises in and then it fades back out and the original beat comes back in. That's funny. That's the second time uh, that's been mentioned on a podcast now. So I know like Matt, I think me and Matt played a clip of it on Beast in the Maze. Well, it is pretty classic. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) It's funny nowadays, this is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but it's funny that nowadays video game music is much more popular than it was ever before. I mean, I know people who don't play video games that enjoy video game music. (laughs) Right. But it definitely has that like video game feel in that one part of the song. Are you talking about like the piano part? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's cool. I like how he's like talking about how if you don't have a rhythm, you can't join a tribe or you need to join a tribe, like, et cetera. And I don't know exactly what he's saying there, but I will say that, like, I think that that sort of plays into how the rhythm continues and then it drops out and puts you in that, like, that space with the piano for a minute and then picks it back up. Oh, right. Because it it isolates that piano alone away from a tribe. Right. And then it, and then it picks you back up into it. Yeah. And I think that's, I don't know. I don't know if that was intentional, but that's kind of the vibe I get. Well, even if it wasn't, that's, that was a great read on that part. Like I, as soon as you said it, I was like, "Yeah, that makes total sense." But I do, I don't dislike the song at all. Like I really like the song, but it feels like maybe, except for that part at the end, the beat of this song is a little bit more redundant than some of the beats. Not that it's a bad beat, but it feels like there's more change-ups in other songs. Yeah, just a little more simplistic. But uh, also, I kind of this this happens. We we didn't talk about it earlier, but the like 
voice modded at the beginning of this song. Yeah, there's like the it's like the high squeaky, like almost chipmunks kind of sound. Yeah, he's talking in yeah. I, he, they do that in a couple songs in this album, and I'm kind of curious what they're trying to imply by that voice mod. I don't know. There's a lot of like background noise in this album, period. Right. And I, I don't know like how off. Uh, I'm not. I don't listen to a ton like of, or I just can't think of one right now. I do listen to a good amount of rap and hip hop, but uh, I just can't think of like all of that stuff in the background in the same way as this. You know, I don't. I'm trying to think of a different album that's similar, but I don't know. Yeah, well, I think in in like subgenres you could probably find a lot, but especially if you think of it, if you think about it historically, other stuff going on at this time musically, I definitely don't think there is that much of background layering or stuff. Right. I think we're ready to move on to track ten, don't you? Yeah, that sounds good. Well, it's, okay, then we're gonna play a little bit of track ten. Rhythm devoted to the art of moving butts. Excellent name. So I'm not sure if this is something that you caught or that mattered to you, but it was really interesting to me that Prince Paul did the uh, little spoken intro to the beginning of this song. Okay, I don't know who that is. Uh, he was a member of the Gravediggers. Okay. And he did a lot of cool, like, this era underground rap. He did Dr. Octagon and stuff. He's really good. You should check him out, too. So I've heard, like, the the one, like, quintessential Gravediggers song. But I will. So what's his name again? Prince Paul. Prince Paul, I will check that out. Yeah, you should definitely check out his project, Dr. Octagon. My my hip-hop knowledge is not, like, nearly where it needs to be. I generally just, like, willy-nilly find an album and then, like, I'm like, oh, I like this, and then move on, you know? So, I, but it's good. I, that's what kind of this is for, is to help you branch out and stuff, too, so. Yeah, exactly. So what do you, what do you think this song's about? Initially, I think it was sort of about, like, talking about having, like, a homegrown kind of beat. Uh-huh. Like, I sort of feel, I get this vibe in the album, like this and the coming up songs is that Tribe sort of, maybe it's because their first album is they, they want to say that like, this isn't your regular ass type of hip hop. Right. But still being for hip hop and wanting to promote hip hop. Yeah. Still supporting hip hop. They're just, yeah, they're promoting all of it. They're just saying, this is, this is what we're making and it's our artistic expression. Like I kind of got, I don't know if it's in this song or one coming later, but I kind of got a vibe later that like, I don't know, is would some like in the hip hop community have like looked down upon this album at the time? I'm sure it kind of depends. I mean, I'm thinking like early 90s is about when East Coast, West Coast battle started happening. Sure. So I wonder how much of a factor that might play. But I do, I do imagine, especially like even going through the tracks we already have, just imagining all the way back to the beginning, how they start the album with the crying baby. I do imagine it did kind of challenge some earlier hip hop listeners. Yeah, and I, I look at it like um, like the Clash when they like strayed from punk or something like that. Like they weren't sticking to convention. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if that matters at this. If that was even a thing that was happening, but I'm curious if it was. So I don't know if anybody, if there's any info on that, I'd definitely like to know. Or anybody who was there. Right. Well, there's definitely a, a few themes of of black power in this song too that we've been picking up a little bit through the album. You know, he mentions being a proud Nubian or something. Yes. And I don't know. Part of me wants to say this is a standout track for me. Okay. I'm not sure, but it's it's a really good song. And it takes, I think it takes a lot more than one listen to fully 
feel this song. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to this this album, to me, like my first listen to it ever in my life, it was like a I was listening to the lyrics, but like the like musically, it was it was crazy, and that's what kept me coming back to it. And then now I like now I love the lyrics too. Right, and and like we were saying, I think you know when I set this up at the beginning, I was saying I kind of see this as the music behind a play of short vignettes, but also this album is an experience it is i mean obviously you can take some of these songs and love them for themselves but that's part of what we're saying why this is an album is because together they're so much stronger than by themselves there's this big powerful movement with them all together yeah i think the second half of the album sort of gets a little more of that like revolutionary feel than the first half too yeah and i wonder if that's like a conscious choice to start off more playfully yeah like we were saying the track six is the first time they do one of these not like this song but track six is where they first do a public service announcement type song so they wanted those first five songs to be more fun and i mean footprints had some of that social and political to it but i do think maybe they consciously want the first half of the album to be a little bit more fun so they're kind of getting you into a place so that when they start to get more political or social it's more comfortable i guess yeah, yeah, I, could, I think I could, I could totally see that because I, I mean, honestly, I've been thinking about it, and I like these last songs are sort of a lot more like on like the socially conscious level than the first five or six. Definitely. Um, is there a kid doing karate in this song? To me, like that 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 clip sounds like I, I just watched Karate Kid recently, so maybe that's affected me, but it sounds like there's a kid like practicing karate kicks. He's like, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> very much could be i wouldn't yeah. be surprised <laughs> i think it's just a weird sample of voice but it just to me that's like what i envision when i hear that sound what would be even better if this kid just because they said the studio was was kind of allowing them more creative freedom so i would love if this kid just walked off the street and nobody knew he wasn't with the band and he's just in the studio practicing karate <laughs> yeah they just mic him up <laughs> yeah they're like why not this is there's rhythm to karate yeah it's so cool how much freedom they have in this album to like do exactly what they want there are obviously examples of when too much creative freedom can be a problem but nine times out of ten if you give someone creative freedom they really get to make something yeah yeah you know more more than just a a consumer product <laughs> this is what i think one of like matt's troubles with fish is, is they have like way too much creative freedom <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, that's for another time. Um, no, and that, this song I do I do love this track, and it segues into the next track really well too. There's a, see they kind of bring back that um for the end of the album, and they had it at the beginning like this outside of the structure of the songs like beat that's going on and yeah the Jerobi part and like the just the talking about what's happening next and stuff. Yeah, the Jerobi part. Yeah, it does kind of fade out in the middle, and then it comes back in here when they introduce the next song. But uh, I think that's cool, and I I love, I love how that like holds the album together like some glue, you know. Yeah, I think we should go ahead and start talking a little bit about the next song. Okay. So why don't we play a little bit of track eleven, Mr. Muhammad. But I don't give a damn. Rhythms are the thing. Rhythms have the key. Rhythms make you swing. If you don't like it, you can park her up. You listen, Mr. Quill. If you're hiding, just give So I'm about to go on a little bit of a tangent, but it ends up coming full circle. So one of my favorite rappers was part of this group called Themselves. And for their third album, Crowns Down, what he said 
and this is just paraphrasing what he said when they were when they were about to release it was we went through all and this album came out maybe 2000 somewhere in between 2008 and 2012 but they were like we're going back we listened to all of our favorite rap and we tried to find what we what are basically the 10 commandments of rap and they never flat out say what the 10 commandments of rap are but the album has 10 songs and each one is supposed to reflect one of the 10 commandments of rap and me being the nerd that i am went out one day and tried to decipher what each one of these commandments were so this song is one of the commandments and the commandment being respect thy dj yeah, I think that's right. This song's all about letting Ali, like get loose, you know? And you know, this song, I, I didn't notice it until this part of the album, but I think there's like still some of it behind this, but uh, this album has almost like a feeling like it's live. Yeah, it, I wonder how live they did it in the studio or if that's just some kind of technique they used to create that feeling. Yeah, did they, I, th- I don't know if they're just doing it like technically or if they like did it in like a few takes or whatever. Uh, but it just has this feeling like, you know, Ollie's using the clapping a lot and they use that like segue in between where they have Jerobi doing the hype and stuff like that. So it almost, and and they almost deliberately make that sound like more hollow, like you're in a big room. Right. So there's something about this album that like, even though it's not live, makes you feel like it's live. Well, and that's, it's not the exactly what I was saying, but that's kind of what I meant. Not what I meant, but that's kind of the same way of interpreting that way. I'm like, it's kind of like, when I'm listening to this album, I hear, I see little scenes with the music scoring it. And like, anytime Jerobi comes, the curtain comes down and he's standing in front of the curtain. It does have a feeling of, of liveness. Like you're in the room with them. Yeah. And I like that a lot. Yeah. You can hear the studio really. Yeah. Well, one other thing that's really, well, there's a couple of things that are really cool about this song, but one thing that's really cool about this song is what would essentially be the refrain or the chorus. They kind of, hype it up by saying comprende my compadre that little part but the chorus or refrain there's no rapping there's no singing besides the like ah sample yeah it's just sampling really which is really cool like how often does that happen yeah not often this guy's like i don't know for me like that's like ollie's like the heart and soul of this thing though i mean it's just like his sampling is so unique yeah he pulls stuff from everywhere what i'm wondering is and i don't think it's a sample but it's going through the whole song but you kind of hear it more in the second half that like weird wah sound that's going on the background what do you think that is or is it like an echoey sound it's kind of it's like a kind of echoey and kind of wahy it's almost futuristic sounding it's like bassy yeah it's and like almost sludgy but it's like kind of alieny it reminds me a little bit of um uh, Intergalactic by Beastie Boys. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It has that futuristic sound almost. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that that's a great sound. That, that's just so, like I said, he's so unique with his samples and like what he what he's doing and the noises he's making. And like some of the times it's like somebody playing bass, and then sometimes it's something like that filling that sh- those shoes. And I'm just really curious how he got that sound. <laughs> yeah, right. Like kind of like I was curious in the last song about how he got the karate sound. It's like where do these sounds come from? You know, it's like I don't know. Like if I wonder if you ran like a a beat through a wah pedal and like pressed it or something that's totally totally doable you know yeah i've I've only i only play guitar as an instrument so um and not even very well so uh (laughs) to me it's like i don't know i don't really know how to like get around like the dj world and the scratching and the um creating sound and especially not in 1990 so yeah exactly I don't have much to say about the lyrics because most of the lyrics are like, our DJ is great, which is great because he is. Right. But I, kind of, I kind of love that part where Fife says, Muhammad, oh, Muhammad, you're quite a dish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's such a, a nice little compliment that, you know, for so, so like, 
as much as I love hip hop, a lot of it, especially in the older days, has got a lot of toxic masculinity in it. Mm-hmm. So for him to turn around and be like, Muhammad, you're quite a dish is just very like refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's this that's like almost the opposite of the way these guys are treating this album. You know, I mean, they're like, it's almost like they're aware of that kind of stuff and going at it from a different angle than the toxic masculinity. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to be, I mean, there's, there's masculine energy on this album, but it's trying to be a positive. Absolutely. Which I think is great. But yeah, like, like I said, starting the song, this, this is definitely the respect to thy DJ song for sure. Yeah. I loved, I love it. Like that it gave him the freedom just to like create that, that chorus, like you said, and it's just really good and really cool. Yeah. And, and it's another, another moment of highlighting his scratching on the album too, which has a lot of great scratching all over, as we've said. Yeah. But I think it's time we, we move on to track 12. All right. So we're going to go ahead and play a little bit of ham and eggs, ham in eggs. It's incredible to me that you can make a song that's essentially a PSA about healthy eating and make it so fun. Yeah, I think it is and it isn't, though. It's sort of like, there's sort of also like, there's dudes in it that are like, yeah, I'm just going to eat whatever I want to. Like, because the guys at the end are like, they're like, do you eat? He's like, yeah, all the time. It's like I eat a ham and eggs every day. <laughs> Which is great because if you listen to the background, you can hear Tip go, quit it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I mean, are any of these guys vegetarians? I guess, well, it sounded like he eats a lot of chicken. <laughs> yeah, because he's a chicken licking winner. Is that the line? <laughs> right. I think something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think in the first verse, it makes it seem like they know a lot of vegetarians, but they're not vegetarians themselves, but they still try to eat healthy. Right, right. And I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the whole, like, that revolutionary idea of keeping your mind and body healthy so that you can like, continue the fight, you know? Yeah, exactly. The, the other thing about this is, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and, and say we're both fans of the band Ween, but we're going to put them aside for right now. Without thinking about Ween, how many non-hip-hop acts can you think of that have songs about food? I mean, on the spot, it's tough, but... I feel like there's some. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, of course there are. But I feel like, especially in, in, in indie hip-hop and stuff, there's a lot more songs about food than in other genres. That's probably true, yeah. Obviously, I do a f- podcast about fish, and they will say things that like have to do with food. Like, why don't you try this thick strawberry goo? But it has nothing to do with what they were talking about before or after. It's not like a the theme of the song is food. It's just, you know. Right. Well, like just off the top of my head, I can think of two rap songs that are about food. One is the song Food by Buck 65. And the other one is We Stay Eaten by Soul and Bus Driver. And We Stay Eaten is all about eating vegetarian too. One of the lines, and I'm quoting one of the lines from Bus Driver in that song is, because I'm black as fuck, so I was born with an exploding heart. <laughs> so it's like an argument for eating healthy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It it, it kind of gets me to the thing with uh, Dr. Dre, too. It's like, uh, or not Dr. Dre, um, Ice-T, where uh, what today was a good day. Cube. Cube, yeah, man. Okay, Ice Cube, today was a good day. Yeah, it's like where he's talking about the um, mama cooked the breakfast with no hog. 
There seems to be like there seems to be like a, a backlash of like a younger generation of, of black people to like an older generation that love to cook pork. And now they're like, we don't want to eat it for some reason. Yeah, well, I think it is like it is part of the what you were saying, the whole even though I wouldn't say Ice Cube is a revolutionary, I think a part of it is about like keeping a healthy mind and keeping a healthy body. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's sort of that like uh, there's like the Muslim thing about pork, too. And I don't know if Ali is Muslim, but it seems like he might be based on his name. I'm pretty sure Q-tip is too, or Q-tip converted or something. Okay. But you know, even even that tradition is about being healthy. So yeah, it's like cleanliness, the same as like kosher for Jewish people, and exactly. So, but yeah, I mean, this this is my final standout song for this album. Like, I love this song so much, and it's it's so silly to sing along to, but it's so much fun. Is this the first song on this album where they're singing in a chorus like that? It might be. Yeah, I, I, that stood out to me. And then I, you know, the intro is like a voice scat. Like it's like a mumble scat kind of thing going on to intro the song. And then throughout it, like even the the things that like Q-Tip and stuff is enunciated, even while he's not in the limelight as the rapper, they're all still very, a lot more musical than anything they'd said before. Instead of just being like in the background saying something, it's like, it's like, oh, they're like, they're like kind of bringing a note into it. Well, also on that note, the back and forth in the first verse is really great too that's done so well it's super well written i like all the um of the, the stuff about uh the candy being made of glue i don't know if he says goo or glue does he say i don't have it right in front of me but either one makes sense and is perfect right <laughs> so while we're talking about this track and we kind of hinted at it before at the end of this track we go into that last little jerobi bit it's the last time that hits and you know it feels like it's saying all right this is we're about to do the final movement of this album like we're coming to a close with these last two songs which is great and it gives ties it in like we've been saying and gives you that feeling of like being there and a live experience uh-huh so that's great on a serious note but is it just me or people saying jab booty in the background there it's possible i didn't i didn't catch it i couldn't tell what they were saying i was listening real hard too and it was hard for me to tell, but it could be Jab Booty. Yeah. <laughs> Almost every time I heard Jab Booty, and I was just like, are they calling Jerobi Jab Booty? Or is that something I don't know? That's pretty cool if they are, too. Well, it, also, it gives it a more intimate feel, too. This song, I mean, like you're saying, it gives a live experience, but this song really gives you a feeling like you're hanging out with friends. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's right. And so, yeah, that, that's why I was saying the whole singing and chorus thing and, like, the fact that, like, they're cracking up about some of the stuff. And, like, I don't know if that was intentional or, like, like, and that kind of makes me wonder, too, how this album was recorded. Like, I wonder if they did record this in, like, a take or two, and they got people actually laughing about things. And I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really curious. And then, of course, we said, I said it way at the beginning. In the first song, Fife references this song. So we know that this has to be one of the earliest songs recorded for this album. Right. Because he says, like, Tip says in Ham and Eggs, I eat chicken, chicken, chicken. <laughs> so this definitely has to be one of the first things they recorded. And I believe... I could be wrong. I think this, Benita Applebaum, Can I Kick It, and I Left My Wallet and El Segundo were all the like singles from this album. That makes sense to me because all of those songs seem to me like the ones that I knew a little bit before I heard the album. Right. So yeah, I think those are the singles and they make sense because they're the, they're the poppiest songs on this album in a lot of ways. But I think we're ready to move into track 13. So we're gonna go ahead in the rain, which is the title of track 13. If you do your stalling, rhythm savior, hear your calling, instrumental to be free, be go ahead in the rain and you'll see. 
funny that you mentioned The Clash earlier, because every time this song, I hear the song, I can't help but think of Sandinista-era Clash. Oh, really? Like something like The Magnificent Seven. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Like even the drums are very similar in the part where it's like, huh, what? It sounds like the, uh, you lot, what? Don't stop. Give it all you got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good take. I um, I, I thought this uh, bass on this song was just so funky, man. Like the whole thing is like it. It's like away from almost the idea of having a DJ. It doesn't even. It almost sounds like there's a band rather than a DJ. Yeah, it feels it feels very full and not like a sample. Although I think it is a sample. I think it. Yeah, I do too. I like the Hendrix intro too. That's nice. Not. What What do you think this song means? I think it's just about battling adversity, like staying motivated. Um. I didn't really read too deep into it. Uh, I just kind of thought it was like, no matter what happens, like shit's going to come and like dump on you. So be ready for it. And like, you're not, it's not just like, Hey, you can handle it. It's like, be ready for it. And like attack it, you know, like attack what you need to do every day, no matter how hard it seems. It's like kind of like work, like working out or something like, you you know, like the first day is the hardest. Like you go around that. Wow. You don't want to do it because it's raining or something, but like, go do something like that. You know what I mean? I don't know exactly, but yeah, it's don't let the rain stop you. Exactly. But you know, sometimes when when listening to the albums, obviously like the lyrics have a meaning, but to me, just the feel of the song, it reminded me. Again, it's not the lyrics, but the title and the feel of the song. It reminded me of another person who I think is a very classic this era of uh, hip hop would be Del the Funky Homo Sapien, who has a line that's the line is people think they make music still when music is here without you or me we just manipulate it and like the title of the song and especially towards the end i just think about the rhythm of the rain like there's so much talking about rhythm in this album maybe as a a counterpoint to what they're actually rapping about i feel like musically and in sound effects here it's there's kind of a a subtle nod to the rhythm of nature. Yeah, yeah. I mean i i didn't have that take but now that you say it it actually makes a lot of sense if i'm thinking about how the song goes and the tempo of the song it's kind of like the like a raindroppy yeah and the bass the bass is like a real it's like dropping bass bombs so it's like those big fat raindrops you know like i don't know i just yeah, i could i could see that yeah that's a good take i like it but yeah it definitely it just kind of made that that feel for me and it again like we've said earlier and in, in this conversation it feels very much like the song is another part of this album where it's saying push it along push it forward keep moving don't stop right and like and we just left the last song with the jerobi and like the segue into like this is the last part of the album here you know exactly i don't know i i don't really have much more to say about it no that's i think that's pretty strong i mean considering like uh the lyrics are pretty straightforward to me yeah i think to pick up on that that like musical aspect of you know the beats of nature i i think that's that's good and like you know the the title of the album itself yeah you know, it's like kind of kind of like vibes with that yeah exactly and i mean this album is all about rhythm and it's natural for people to have rhythm but rhythm originates from elsewhere besides humans absolutely and i think it's it's great to kind of subtly nod at that even if it's not their intention for that to evoke that feeling in other people it still comes through yeah well you know art is for the is sometimes for the people who are viewing it more than the artists themselves yeah exactly well we're gonna go ahead and listen to a little bit of the final track number 14 description of a fool Open up the book, read it, read it, turn the page, see what it says, read it to me, will you please? One who asks, don't 
standing on the corner selling jumbos. I think it's a really interesting choice to end this album with what's probably the darkest song on the whole album. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's true. It's it's another PSA, I think, except it's like how not to be a douchebag. <laughs> right, like Right, exactly. But but not but not only is it like yeah, it's definitely a PSA, but not only is it lyrically dark, but even the music is a little bit dark. Mm-hmm. That kind of discordant horn part, it's it's great, but it, it just evokes dark feelings and thoughts. It gives me the same vibe as um, Bedtime Story by Slick Rick. Yeah, I can see that. And like in Q-Tip's cadence is similar in it too, you know? Like the way he tells the stories of each person, it sounds a lot like Slick Rick, really. Not that I think it was like a deliberate copy or anything, but I mean, obviously they're informed by him, so. Right. Well, I guess we'll break it. I'll break it down real quick. It seems like, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you can correct me. The uh, first verse is about drug dealing, or first part. The second part is about wife or girlfriend beating and the third part is just about being quick to violence and anger yeah i think that's accurate like i mean i had something about it being about needless violence and each scenario is like a different way that like like people are just kind of out of hand you know like there's no reason to be acting like that right well especially i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go into too much detail but for anyone who's listening and knows the cartoon show the boondocks like, I love the original comic strip more than the, the cartoon, but the cartoon was great. The The third part about violence and anger really reminded me of a moment from the Boondocks cartoon. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to say what that moment is, and there's a good, good reasons why I shouldn't, but it's from the episode, uh, so it's an episode, the Stink Miner or whatever episode from the first season. I just see the, like, setup is that people are getting angry about someone stepping on their shoes. <laughs> and it's just like, just that quick to violence for no reason. And it's obvious Q-Tip's like, dude, there's other ways to handle this. Yeah, and it is weird. Like, I mean, I've been in situations like that before where, like, I was like, I, I did something on accident or something and, like, somebody starts being a real jerk about it. And I'm like, yeah, man, what's going on here? Like, I didn't mean to do it. Like, can't we just solve this? You know, some people are just have anger problems, I guess. But, but yeah, and I, you know, he's just, I think he's, he's just, it's like talking about, you know, like, like, I think, like, at the end of the album, like, a way to go on with your life. And here's, like, three things you shouldn't be doing as we, as we move on, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just don't do these things. Yeah, I wonder if he like. I wonder if like he witnessed like one of these things happening, or just had like a bad day and was like, "Man, this is like ten reasons why people are douchebags." I'll tell you about three of them. <laughs> yeah, and and that's what I I wonder how much of his storytelling just comes up comes from from him and inside his head, and how much of it is actually based loosely on experience. Like we we said that El Segundo was like fictionalized, but. There's lots of stuff in here that seems like it could very plausibly have happened to him. Yeah, or like somebody he knows or something similar. It's a credit to his writing, though, that it very well could also just be something he thought up, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I I like how they, uh, you know, Ode to the DJ again, they let uh, Ali kind of take it out like on the album they give him like the last two minutes or whatever <laughs> yeah and it's a it's a really long ending but it i mean there are parts where it feels a little bit repetitive but he layers in stuff and fades in stuff where it, it doesn't get boring and that those last two minutes i i mean even though i've listened to it several times we're sitting here listening to it right now and i had the time up while i was listening to it and i was like really there's that much left of the song and it didn't i didn't feel like it was going to go on that long and it didn't feel like it did because it it just kept moving yeah much like the whole album, you know, you got to push it along. This this is only for for people who have been listening to this this podcast. This is a intercontextuality of all things. But so you host the Beast in the Maze podcast, 
with our friend Matt Ivy. Yes. Who was the guest guest on the second episode of this podcast. And this song has a line about do you compute? Which happened to be the name of Matt's favorite song on the Drive Like Jehu album Yank Crime. So I just thought that was a nice little interesting fact. Awesome, awesome. But I think we're ready to kind of close it up. What what do you want to say now that we've gone through and talked about every track? What would you like to say about this album as a whole, looking back one last time? Having gone through it in this style, like doing the note take and all that, I've I've like focused a lot more on it and I picked up on a lot more than I had heard before. Previously I thought it was just like a really cool album to throw on and like ride around to or whatever and i'd listen to the lyrics and stuff but now that i've like really gone into it lyrically i feel like i've like gained even more knowledge of where this group is coming from and i like that i'm, I'm happy about that overall like i th- i mean this album will always be one of my favorite uh hip-hop albums for sure period actually albums period yeah and I, I one thing that i like about it is it feels like it some of it's not easy to discuss necessarily but i feel like every time i listen to this album I was catching some other little production thing or some other little small hidden sample, like the Karate Kid or whatever. Like, (laughs) There's all these little things that you're not always going to catch every time, but there's a lot going on in the background that you you can easily miss. But when you catch it, you're like, whoa, that's been there the whole time. And now I can do nothing but hear it. But it's so hidden at first. Yeah, there's just a lot going on in here. I mean, it's it's like, I I think I wrote a note somewhere that I never spoke up about, but I think it was like a super well- like textured album you know there's so many layers of even like in most songs there's like one or two layers of things going on that are you know can be surprising or you can pick up on them or not i mean but they're always it's always there and it's a very full album it has a really full sound one thing i wonder is so we've said a couple times that it's very they're very distinctive but if someone was like i like tribe called quest you don't necessarily have to recommend me a band that's exactly like tribe called quest but where would you get, where would you point them after Tribe Called Quest based on your taste or ideas? That's a really tough one for me because to me this album is like a unique thing. I listen to a lot more rock than this. On the spot, I don't know honestly. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's fair. I think it'd be safe to say that they're uh, what is it, are they Native Tongues? Is that what the big group is called? Yeah. So I guess anything on Native Tongues. Um, early De La Soul. Well, we brought up Prince Paul earlier, so you should probably want to listen to Prince Paul. Early De La Soul. Yeah. I don't haven't listened to much De La Soul, even though I saw them live one time. Yeah, me too. They were great. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I haven't really listened to them very much, and I should. I should check it out more. Yeah, and I would. I would also say just for like maybe contextualization, not necessarily because I think they're that similar, but if you're like, I want to hear some early, more underground leaning rap. The what, who I mentioned earlier, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Is probably a good choice to go with after this too. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna write that down too with my Prince Paul note here. For, for any listener, just Deltron Thirty Thirty. It's a futuristic space <laughs> rap opera, and it's amazing. It's Del the Funky Homo Sapien and Dan the Automator, and then Kid Koala does scratches, and then all kinds of people are on there from the the guy from Blur, uh, John Lennon's son. It's it's a crazy album. It's fantastic. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm certainly gonna check this out now. So yeah. Well, I, this this conversation has been really great. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. And uh, I'd be happy to come on again another time. I have like you know I do the podcast about fish, so I probably have some albums that I could give you that their genres being underrepresented. Oh yeah, I definitely would like to have you back on sometime.
kick it. That brings us to the close of another episode of New Ears. I'd like to thank Brian for being my guest and to remind people to check out his podcast, The Beast in the Maze. You can find out where to get it in the show description. I'd also like to remind people that we encourage questions, comments, and recommendations both for albums and guests. And where you can send those recommendations is through our Facebook, Twitter, or email. And you can also find those in the show description info. In our next episode, we'll be covering the album The Con by Tegan and Sarah. Thanks for listening. Yo, can I get a little chant before I go? I can get a little chant? All right. I want the right half to get get funky, to say funk. And the other half to say rhythm on the count of three. One, two, one, two, three. Kick it. This podcast is an Abandoned Mascot production and part of the Abandoned Mascot Network, a loose affiliation of podcasts for media arts creators and connoisseurs. For more information, follow us on Twitter at AbandonedMasco1. That's Abandoned, M-A-S-C-O, and the number one. Thanks for listening.